0: Well, as you know, we've been dealing with the series of passion, vision, action, passion, vision, action. Last week, Pastor Mark Romero shared a powerful message out of the book of Amos, chapter 9. And I loved when he pointed out to us how God will raise up. It says there twice, God will raise up. And then it talks about He will restore the ruins, and then how the 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 the, the plower is going to overtake the reaper, meaning the harvest would be extended. God would give an extended harvest, and He challenges us to believe that it's harvest time now. Amen. And I really believe it is harvest time. And today I want to deal with the action part of passion, vision, action. We've looked at Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 9. And we've looked at where the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he looked at the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And I told you that the word compassion simply means full of passion. He was a man full of passion. What was his passion? He, it says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because he saw them as harassed. He saw them as afflicted and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. But then he said, Pray to the Lord of the harvest because he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And so he was a man of vision. He saw people as potentially part of God's flock and he saw them as part of God's, potentially as part of God's fold. And today we're going to look at the action part. It's in the next chapter there in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 this morning. How many of you ready to receive? I'm ready to deliver. And for those of you on live stream, get ready. I believe, like we experience in our Cutler campus, I believe that God is going to deliver some people today. I believe that spirits of darkness are going to lose their power. Thank you, my brother. In case you didn't know, this is my brother. I can literally tell him, you're my brother from the same mother. Yeah. That's my bro there. Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, down to verse 2, it says, And when he, that is Jesus, had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. You will notice in the four names that are mentioned there, three of those four were part of Jesus' inner circle. Peter, James, and John. And you will also notice in verse 1, they're called disciples. In verse 2, they're called apostles. Now, let me tell you something that has bewildered me. As i've continued and grown in my christian walk and journey it is this when god calls sometimes or should i say whom god calls makes me scratch my head i mean if you were to look at these guys and you studied their backgrounds and verse 3 tells us the rest of the 12 disciples names you would be wondering Why in the world would God choose such a ragtag group of men? They were a bunch of misfits. Because when you study their backgrounds, you discover they were men with issues. And yet Jesus intended to begin the kingdom enterprise of influence impacting the world through these 12 men that were a bunch of ragtag misfit men. But here's what i know god does not call the qualified i'm so grateful that when god called me he didn't ask me for my resume you know why because i didn't have one (laughs) but i'm so glad that god does not call the qualified but he does qualify the called that's what you need to know about him early in his career someone said that vince lombardi The Hall of Fame coach of the Green Bay Packers knew very little about the game of football. Thomas Edison's teachers gave up on him and said that, quote, he was too stupid to accomplish anything. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before inventing the Model T. Beethoven's music teacher once said that his chances of ever being successful or a successful composer were hopeless. And Albert Einstein performed so poorly in his high school courses that his teachers actually encouraged his parents to pull him out of school. Think about it. These men were identified and labeled by others As being incapable as being not qualified and yet because there was a refusal to settle for the opinions of others and go with what they were gifted for they were able to accomplish great feats through their lives and what I want you to understand is this that in This race we call life. God is far more interested in how we finish than how we begin. God is far more interested in how we finish than how we begin. If you look at these disciples, these apostles that Jesus called and chose, they were not qualified at the beginning. But when you look at their lives coming to the end of their lives, you discover that 11 out of the 12 finished their race. And many of them died for their faith, being loyal to Jesus until the end of their lives because Jesus believed and Jesus invested in them. And I want you to understand, you may feel today, I'm not qualified, Pastor Angel. I don't have what it takes, but God thinks otherwise. God thinks that you are qualified because He has gifted you. He has deposited in you. He has invested in you. And don't you allow any spirit of darkness or don't you allow any opinion of man to keep you from realizing the great things that God... Because listen, it's not about my ability. It's about my availability. And when you couple my availability with his ability, extraordinary things will be accomplished. There was an Old Testament professor who taught young people that were preparing for the ministry. At the beginning of the class... He would take off his coat and he would bow. He would bow to the class of his students. Some of his faculty members were upset at this gesture. He responded by saying, I bow to them because you never know which of them is going to be called of God to some great service. The professor, of course, did not know or realize at that time that one of his students sitting there was Martin Luther, who would later establish the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century and have a huge impact on the development of the church. I'm sitting right now or standing right now before people that are sitting in this building. And what I want you to understand There is untapped, immeasurable inheritance in those of you that follow Jesus Christ, God has deposited in you richness of inheritance. In fact, if you're a child of God, I want you to be aware that inside of you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And no matter whatever problem, pressure that you will come and face outside of you, let me remind you, the power of the inside is greater than the problem and the pressure on the outside. And you can accomplish great things that's what God sees in you that's what God sees in you dr. Warren Wearsby in the Bible exposition commentary he writes the following the work of salvation could be accomplished only by Jesus Christ and he did it alone but the witness of this salvation could only be accomplished by his people those who have trusted him and been saved the king needed ambassadors to carry the message and he still needs them whom shall i send and who will go for us isaiah 6:8. he continues it is not enough that we pray for laborers or workers Matthew 9 36 to 38. We must also make ourselves Available to serve him Why did Jesus call the 12? Because Jesus Needed a team to fulfill God's dream Jesus himself needed a team to fulfill God's dream and God calling you and I to become part of his dream team and experience what only he can do use ordinary people to do extraordinary things use the common to carry out and accomplish the uncommon now as I look at this passage in Matthew 10 verses 1 and 2 there's two things that came to mind as I studied this passage The first is learners before doers. Learners before doers. I told you at the beginning, at the onset, that in verse 1, the 12 were called disciples. In verse 2, they were called apostles. They are called disciples in Matthew 10.1 and apostles in Matthew 10.2. Adam Clark, in his commentary, says this, it is worthy of notice that those who were Christ's apostles were first His disciples to intimate that men must be first taught of God before they be sent of God. In other words, before you and I can be doers and effectively carry out What God calls us to do, we must first be learners. We must first understand that a disciple of Christ is a learner. A learner. In fact, the word disciple or disciples, mathetis in Greek, it's from the verb mathano, which means to learn. To learn. The root of this word mathano is math, which suggests thought with effort put forth thought with effort put forth a disciple is a learner one who follows both the teaching and the teacher a disciple is a learner one who both follows the teaching and the teacher a disciple of christ is more than a person who gains information from Christ, his teaching. A disciple of Christ is one who follows Christ so that they can experience transformation through Christ. You see, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're not looking just to fill your head with information. You're following him because you know that only he can bring transformation to your heart. Jesus is more than a philosopher. Jesus is more than a rabbi. Jesus is more than a mouthpiece for God, a prophet. Jesus is God. Jesus is savior. Jesus is deliverer. Jesus is redeemer. And to follow him is to open up my life for transformation, not just information. A disciple, bottom line, is teachable. And here's what I've discovered. If you're teachable, you're reachable. If you're teachable, you're reachable. If you're teachable, God and you can be connected. And God and you can carry out a great task. If you're teachable, you're reachable. I've also discovered, if you're teachable, you're Moldable, shapeable. If you're teachable, you're moldable, shapeable. When you're teachable, you come to God understanding you are the clay, He is the potter. When you're teachable, you come to His Word not just to read it but to allow it to read you. When you're teachable, you come to God not with your agenda, you come yielded to His assignment. If you're teachable, You're moldable, you're shapeable. And here's the third thing I've learned. If you're teachable, you'll become capable. If you're teachable, you'll become capable. Because as you're teachable, Jesus will instruct you. And here's the thing you need to know about Jesus. When he teaches, his teaching empowers. What did they say? The crowd that he spoke to. We've never... We've never, we've never heard someone teach with such authority. Ah, when Jesus teaches you he does more than give you information he gives you divine power to carry out the will of God when he gives you a commandment you discover that his commandment is your enablement it empowers you when he tells you even if you're lame to rise up and walk you discover that command rise up and walk has the power of the living word and all you gotta do is Say yes and it empowers you to do what you could not do outside of your own ability Woo. Learners Before doers The second thing That I discovered as I was studying this passage is Authorized To rectify Authorized to rectify Rectify means to Correct there were some things that needed to be corrected in the world that Jesus stepped into, in the communities that he walked into, in the places that he walked to. There were things that needed to be rectified, that needed to be corrected and, 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 and also he gave his authority to his disciples to follow suit, to carry out the same mission. To rectify, He gave them authority to rectify, to bring correction. Here's what I want to reveal as well. Jesus did not come from heaven to earth with the heavenly band-aid for the ills of society. No, Jesus came from heaven to earth with the solution for the ills of society. The Bible says he cast out demons. From those that were possessed. The Bible says he healed all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He is more than a band aid for your hurt, He is the healer who can heal your hurt. He is more. I'm, I'm holding back. is more than a nice salve for your wound. He is the healer for your wound. I'm telling you, I don't care how long you've been in bondage. Jesus will do more than comfort you. He will change you. Jesus did not only call the twelve. He also gave them power to do what he had called them to do. The same principle holds today. Whom God calls, he equips. Whom God calls, he equips. He doesn't call the qualified, but he does qualify the called. Matthew 10, 1. He gave them authority. What for? Watch this. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over what kind of spirits? Unclean spirits We are now going to identify Five different spirits that are mentioned in the Word of God Let me make it clear each of these spirits that are identified in Scripture have a an an assignment They have a mission from the devil to carry out against people even the people of God but if you're a child of God You have authority to drive out spirits. And if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, and you're watching or you're here, I want you to know we have authority. I have authority in the name of Jesus to drive out demons. And I'm not afraid of a demon, witch, warlock, because I know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if you need freedom, we are ready in the name of Jesus to bring freedom. To your life but Let me tell you something You do not negotiate with demons You don't try To establish a peace treaty With demons There's only one thing You and I are called to do With demons It's to expand them. It is to drive them out. Why? Because they have no right to rule and reign in the life of the child of God. You don't have to rent them any more space. You don't have to give them a lease for a certain time. If you're a child of God, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're redeemed through the blood of Jesus. The cross of Jesus broke the power of the devil over your life and the name of Jesus authorized you, deputizes you to drive out evil spirits here they were given authority to drive out unclean spirits what are unclean spirits these are spirits whose agenda is to pollute to contaminate, to dirty our lives in thought and in deed these spirits exist to try to influence us to dirty our lives. They want to defile our lives. They want to contaminate our lives. They want to pollute our lives. There could be a time where you're sitting at your house and all of a sudden in the middle of your sitting, you become bombarded with thoughts that are trying to contaminate your mind and you're like where did this come from I'll tell you where it came from it's an unclean spirit trying to find a place to defile to contaminate it's an unclean spirit that wants to pollute and contaminate your life your body but you have authority in the name of Jesus to say you have no right to pollute contaminate defile me i am no longer your slave i'm not a slave to sin i'm not a slave to satan i've been redeemed by the blood of jesus christ and then in luke's gospel luke 13 verse 11 we read about a spirit of infirmity there was this woman that was bound for 18 years by a spirit of infirmity. And the Bible says she was bowed over. And it says she could not straighten herself up at all. For 18 years, she was bowed over. And she couldn't straighten herself up at all. Why? Because there was a spirit, a demonic spirit, that caused her to be bound in that state. And she couldn't straighten herself up at all. But then Jesus shows up. And Jesus, as soon as he placed his hands upon her, immediately she was healed. Now, the word infirmity there. Asthenia. Asthenia in Greek. It means weakness. Not only infirm, but weakness. There are some of you here. And some of you on live stream, that there are certain weaknesses that not only keep tripping you up, but they have you trapped. And you've been walking with the Lord for some time and you, you, you keep falling in the same trick and trap of that weakness. And now the devil has you believing that's just the way you are. And you just might as well settle for having to give in to that weakness that's just who you are that's just what you got to learn to live with but if that weakness is keeping you from experiencing the victory that's ours in christ then you need to know it is a spirit of infirmity but i've got good news as is also used in Romans 8 26, where it says, For the Spirit Himself helps us with what? With our weaknesses. Woo! In other words, if you're a child of God, even if you have weaknesses, you are not helpless. Help has come from heaven to your life. His name is the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo in Greek, which means one called alongside to help. And He's not there just on your good days. Jesus said He will abide with you forever. Woo! Oh. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? When you're high feeling good not because but because life has been good or when you're low and discouraged the Holy Spirit is there what is He there for? to do more than offer a shoulder to cry on He gives you strength to battle on He gives you strength to go on He is help from heaven intercessor. He is ally. He is friend. Uh, He is strengthener. He is teacher. He is helper. What are you saying pastor? You have somebody with you. That lives in you that is greater than any weakness that you have in your life. And when you tap into Him and you exercise the name of Jesus, His greatness becomes what overpowers your weakness. 18 years. She couldn't straighten herself up at all, huh? But then Jesus comes, lays his hands, and the Bible says, immediately, 18 years couldn't do this in one second after Jesus places huh, his hands on her. She was able to do. What she could not do for 18 years. That's the power of Jesus. What are you saying, Pastor? Some of you are going to tell me. But you don't know. This alcohol has had me for 12 years. Uh, This drug of Mary Jane. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This crank, uh, whatever, has had me bound, Pastor. I can't straighten myself out. It's been five years. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. Oh, but I've got good news. In the name of Jesus, it can be broken up like that. In Ephesians 6.12, we read about evil spirits in the heavenly realms, in high places. The word for evil is also translated wicked, twisted. These are spirits whose aim and agenda is to twist our thinking. Make us do things in a crooked kind of way. Ah! These are spirits that come to influence us. And the Bible says they're in heavenly places, the atmospheric heavens. There's this warfare going on. And how many of you have had those times when everything seemed to be going good and all of a sudden you feel like a disturbance in the atmosphere? And you're like, why did that twisted come?" Why am I feeling to to do something crooked and wicked? They also have to do with malice. In fact, they're malicious spirits. And they want to influence you to hold malice in your heart. Ill will against others. But Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2 to put away malice. Get rid of it. So what do you do when these evil spirits come to try to influence you to do the crooked thing or to carry out a twisted or crooked act? You remind yourself. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I will not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge him, and he will make my path straight. You remind yourself that you serve the God who makes the crooked places straight and that he came into your life and in the name of jesus you have every right to tell that evil spirit you have no right to rule in my life i am no longer a slave to sin i am a son a daughter of jesus christ through god the father i am indwelt by the spirit of god and i can live life the way he says it is to be lived then we have in 2 Timothy 1:7 the identity of another spirit where Paul writes pastor Timothy says for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind the word fear here it doesn't relate to phobia it's so delia in greek it speaks of cowardness or cowardice or timidity Timothy was in the middle of a society where persecution was rising against the church. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes a letter of how to establish leaders in the church because the church was growing. But now, there's a shift that happened. Persecution came. And people were bailing out, even some of his leaders. Now Timothy is feeling afraid, timid, cowardly. So much so that the gift of God in him is now lying dormant. He's not activating it anymore. And there are believers that sit in God's house and you know you have a gift from God. It's been prophesied over you. It's been declared over you. But you're afraid to activate that gift. There's a timidity. And when a challenge rises up, you feel uh, you feel cowardly. You feel, I, I can't, I can't, it's too hard. I don't have what it takes. But God is saying to you what he said to Timothy, through the apostle Paul. Stir up, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. Don't let that spirit of fear that keeps telling you you're not qualified. You don't have what it takes. Oh, they're not going to accept what you got. You got to tell the devil, devil, shut your mouth. I am no longer, I am no longer your property. I am purchased of God and God has given me. A spirit of power, dunamis, explosive, dynamic ability. A spirit of love, agapeo. And he's given me a sound mind, sophronismos, which means I have the ability now, regardless of thoughts that have been running wild. I have in the name of Jesus the authority to take my thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what you have in him. You've got to exercise authority. I see too many believers that are just tipping through the tulips not wanting to do anything or bother anybody. And God's saying, please get out. Use your gift. I've called you. What are you doing? But I'm not qualified. What do you mean you're not qualified? I've given you the spirit of power, love, and sound. you got what it takes. Activate it. There's one more spirit I want to go after. Isaiah identifies it in Isaiah 61, verse 3. It says in the New King James to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In the NIV, it says a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. What is this spirit of heaviness? What is this spirit of despair? It's a spirit that promotes hopelessness. A spirit that tells you it's over. It's the end. There's no way out. You might as well stop believing. You've come to the end of the road. There's no more hope. A spirit of despair. A spirit of hopelessness and the Bible says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick Hope that is postponed or hope that is set aside makes the heart sick And there are people right now in this hour in our society that are sick Because of worry sick Because of fear sick because of feeling it's hopeless we're never going to get through this pandemic. The devil is a liar. We're going to get through it and we're going to go beyond it. But this spirit of despair, this spirit of hopelessness, it's a spirit of heaviness, me. It's holding you down in discouragement, in despondency, in depression. But I've got good news. God's provided something by which you and I can drive out that spirit from our lives. It's the garment of praise. Y'all ain't getting happy because you don't know what I'm about to say. But I'm going to tell you now so you can get happy with me. The garment of praise. It's the Hebrew word Tehillim. 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 It means a hymn. A song. (laughs) When you feel the heaviness. When you feel despair. When you feel it's hopeless. My Bible says. Sing. Unto the Lord. A new song. My Bible says. He has given me. Or placed. A new song in my mouth my bible says he will compass you about with songs of deliverance Paul and Silas are in lockdown in a prison cell in Philippi they've been whipped they've been beaten because they drove out a spirit of fortune teller telling from a young girl and her masters who had used her for their profits were mad about it and told the authorities of that region about it and so then they took Paul and Silas and they beat them and they they they, they, they then they put them in jail and they put chains on their wrists and chains on their ankles and they they're just there by themselves in a jail cell Ooh. but the bible says In Acts 16, you go to verses 23 down to verse 26 and you discover, it says at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they praised. They began to sing. And the Bible says as they began to sing, the jail, not just the cell that they were in, but the entire jail that they were in began to experience an earthquake the Bible says about God heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool Mm -hmm. Paul and Silas are singing a song that I believe made God happy so happy he started tapping his foot well remember earth is his footstool when God started tapping his foot The jailhouse started to rock. (laughs) And the Bible says, suddenly, the chains came off. Of Paul and Silas. And not only their chains. But the prisoners that were listening to them sing too. Their chains fell off. And then the Bible says that the prison doors came off their hinges. And they opened up. Why? Because Paul and Silas said. We're not going to let this spirit of heaviness keep us down. We're going to lift up his name. We're going to exalt him. We're going to magnify him. And the spirit of despair. Power was broken. And they were able to experience the help and the hope that there is in God. And I'm saying to you, don't you be silent when you feel that heaviness come upon you. Open up your mouth. Give him praise. Sing unto the Lord a new song and he will deliver you. He will rescue you. He will bring about your help that you need at that hour of your need. That's what happened with Paul and Silas. You're not listening to a preacher who hasn't lost loved ones. You're not listening to a preacher who hasn't battled with anxiety and depression. I've gone through it. You're not listening to a preacher who hasn't battled physically in his body, but you need to know that this preacher, late in the midnight hour, early in the morning, I've sung a song to the Lord. The reason why, the day after my mama passed away, on that same Sunday, the next day, you found me in Cutler worshiping God. You found me in the house of God with joy in my heart, in spite of the sorrow in my soul. Why? Because when you sing his song, you get his strength. When you sing his song, you get his strength. Woo! The Bible says in Luke 10, 19, I'm going to wrap this up. It says, listen carefully. I have given you authority in the Amplified. Listen carefully. I've given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, say nothing, will in any way harm you. Notice what he said. I give you authority, my followers, my disciples. I give you authority, exosia, the right to act in his stead, delegated authority, the right to act in his stead, in his place, over all the power, ability of the devil. In the natural, a police officer does not have the ability to stop a car that is going beyond the speed limit. In fact, if he got out of his car, tried to stop a car physically, he'd be taken out. But he has the authority because of his position and certification to stop a car that is stronger than his ability. The same way, we don't have the ability in ourselves to drive out spirits. But Jesus says, I've given you my name. And when you exercise my name, you are acting in my stead. You are acting in my place. And behind the authority I give you in my name is the backing of the ability of heaven. woo mm. David looks at Goliath, says, you're coming to me with your spear, your shield, and your javelin, but I come against you in the name of the lord of (laughs) hosts you see david was saying you're coming against me with your ability but i'm coming against you in the authority of the lord of heaven's armies i'm not coming to you in my ability i'm coming to you in his authority child of god when you use the name of Jesus. Woo-hoo. It's like when the devil sees you, he sees Jesus behind you. So the disciples come. They tell Jesus, you know what, Jesus? In Luke 10:17, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But he says, don't rejoice in this, that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. Uh This is what I love about Jesus. He says, he's saying, look, what you're experiencing now is nothing compared to what you're going to experience then. What you're experiencing here Is nothing compared to what you're going to experience there Oh, 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 oh. here's the good news I'm on my way to heaven But Jesus gives me authority on my way to heaven To tread, stomp on, crush demons On my way to heaven But here's the neat thing When I get there The authority I have there Is going to be greater Because if I'm loyal and faithful He's going to reward me And I already told you I'm probably gonna rule over five islands in Hawaii. That's what I'm going for. I got five islands in Hawaii that have my name on them. And the Lord's gonna say, During my reign, I want angel. Mancharga, come here, here. You get Maui. You get But on the way there, till I get there, I have authority to crush, to break into pieces the spirits of darkness that come against me. Listen, I dealt with the spirit of suicide in my life. I dealt with unclean spirits in my life. I dealt with the spirit of despair and heaviness in my life. I've been under their influence in the past. But I can tell you now. That as I learned who I am in Christ, as I've exercised the name of Jesus, as I studied and renewed my mind with what Jesus did at the cross, as I understood what the blood of Jesus has done through its redemptive work, now I'm no longer under their influence. They're under my feet where they belong. Because that's what Jesus does. He gives you authority to dominate what used to dominate you. Woo! Would you tell somebody next to you use his name please tell him use his name please use his name please what name the name of Jesus one of my favorite stories was shared by Paul Harvey he told about a 3 year old boy who went to the grocery store with his mother before they entered the grocery store she said to him now you're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies, so don't even ask. And she puts him up on the cart. He sat in the little child's seat while she wheeled down the aisles. He was doing fine until they came to the cookie aisle. When they came to the cookie section, he saw the chocolate chip cookies and he stood up in his seat and said, Mom, Can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, I told you not even to ask. You're not going to get any at all. So he sat back down. They continued down the aisles, but in their search for certain items, they ended up back in the cookie aisle. Mom, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, I told you that you can't have any. Now sit down and be quiet. Finally, they were approaching the checkout lane. The little boy sensed that this might be his last chance. So just before they got into the line, he stood up on the seat and he shouted as loud as he could. In the name of Jesus, may I have some chocolate chip cookies? And everybody around laughed. Some even applauded like you did. And according to Paul Harvey, due to the generosity of the other shoppers, mom and child ended up going home with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 13 and 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said in Mark 16:17, and these signs will follow those that believe or who believe in my name. They will cast out. Demons! It's time to serve notice on devils and demons. There is a no for sale sign on my heart. There is a no for rent sign on my mind. You have no right, no space available in my life. I am redeemed. I am delivered. I am adopted. I am a child of God and I have authority to live in victory. so before I pray, I want to say, if you're here and you're battling with any of these spirits, this is your day of freedom. No unclean spirit has a right to defile, to dirty, to pollute your life anymore. Say, Pastor Angel, I'm battling a weakness that keeps tripping me up and has me trapped. That spirit of infirmity, that spirit of weakness has no right to hold you trapped anymore. You have the right to freedom. Pastor Angel, I've been battling evil spirits that have been influencing me to think in a twisted way or want to do something in a crooked way. I'm telling you today, that spirit has no right to lead you anymore. You can be free today. Some of you that would say and be honest, Pastor, A spirit of fear has kept me from exercising the gift or gifts that God's placed in my life. And I know I'm called to do something, but I've been holding back out of a cowardly sense, out of a a timidity sense. Today's your day for that spirit to be broken off your life and for you to step out in faith. Trust in God. He's given you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. There's others of you. You're way down. You're under a spirit of heaviness. You're under a spirit of despair. You don't see any way out. You are feeling hopeless. That spirit needs to be broken. And how do I break that? You need to open your mouth. Start singing unto the Lord. Start declaring His praises. Start declaring Him. Quit magnifying your problems and start to magnify the Lord, exalting His name through worship. We sing it here, praise is a weapon, worship is our warfare. I'm telling you, it is. And it's through the name of Jesus that these spirits are going to be driven out. And if you're watching online, there is no distance to the power of prayer. God can free you there where you're at. If there's a spirit that I've identified in this message today that you know has you under its influence, you are a candidate right now for freedom. You are a candidate now for deliverance. And I'm going to exercise the authority that's in the name of Jesus because I believe powers of darkness are going to be broken. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in this building right now, as well as on live stream, Lord, your spirit is present. Jesus said to the Pharisees that question how he was driving out demons. But if I, through the finger of God, do drive out demons then surely the kingdom of God has come. I thank you that the kingdom of God is here. The rule of God, the reign of God. I thank you that through your rule you overrule the working of every other foul and foreign spirit. I thank you that unclean spirits right now. I thank you that right now, unclean spirits, as well as spirits of infirmity and evil spirits and spirits of fear, as well as spirits of heaviness and despair, they are under the rulership of Jesus for your word reveals in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 to 20 that through the resurrection power you raised Jesus from the dead and you sat him far above all principality and power Colossians 2 tells us in verse 11 that he is the head over all principality and power and lord your word says in Colossians 2:15 having stripped them of their authority having disarmed them principalities and power having disarmed them at the cross and so I declare the victory of Jesus right now and I plead the blood of Jesus upon the minds and hearts and lives of your people and of those watching right now and of those that are here and there on live stream who find themselves being demonized or being oppressed or harassed by these spirits of darkness in the name of Jesus I take authority over every fire spirit, over every unclean spirit. I take authority over the spirit of fear, a spirit of despair, the spirit of heaviness. I take authority over every evil spirit. I take authority over the spirit of weakness, of infirmity. I say it must loose its hold and it must go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go through the blood of Jesus Christ. Your work is nullified. Your work is nullified through the blood of Jesus. And in his name, I command your hold to be broken off of people that seek and want freedom today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we decree, we declare, we speak forth, we prophesy freedom. We declare in the name of Jesus That victory is ours right now. We give you praise, Lord. We exalt you. We magnify you. We thank you that as we put on the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness is warded off. The spirit of despair goes in the midst of this atmosphere of praise. We lift up our voice to declare there's no other there's no other name the name of Jesus is all powerful thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus Jesus